Well, as we come to this text this morning that talks about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is risen, He ministers to us every day. To me, it's important that we reflect on this because what we think of so often when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus is His past. We think of almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified and then on the third day He rose again and we celebrate that and we should, we should rejoice. But you know, Jesus was not risen, He is risen. He is alive today. And he has a ministry to each one of our lives. And that's what I want us to reflect on this morning as we look at this text in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, a little bit of background. John, who is the author of this book, was one of the twelve disciples. In fact, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a close and intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He witnessed His ministry. He witnessed the crucifixion. He witnessed the resurrection. And He was there when Christ ascended into heaven to the right hand of God. He was there through each step of the way. And in this letter that he writes, 1 John, John recounts that he had seen, he had handled, he had touched the Lord Jesus Christ. He was here. He was real. And he saw it all. But then he goes on in the third verse of that first chapter to say this. What we have seen, what we have heard, we proclaim to you. And then notice the next statement. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. How do you have fellowship with someone unless they're alive? John's point in this passage is that Jesus lives and he fellowships with him all the time because he is alive. Now, in the rest of the first chapter, John spoke about our problem with sin, the struggle that we face and approaches to dealing with sin that all fall short. And then we come to the second chapter, and that's where John says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if one does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus is our advocate, and we know that he is our advocate because he is alive. So as we come to this text, let's look at what the Word of God shares with us about the Lord Jesus Christ who is risen and who ministers daily before God's throne of grace. First of all, we see this. We have the promise in this passage of Scripture of a living, faithful advocate. And in sharing this with us, John begins by discussing the problem of sin. Notice again what he says. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's the goal. The goal is that we lead lives that are not characterized by sin. What is sin? Sin very simply is moving outside the moral boundaries that God has established. 
That's the goal. That's the target. That's what we're to shoot for. But here's the problem. Nobody hits the target. We all fall short. Nobody is completely sinless, myself very much included. We all miss the mark. We step outside those boundaries that God has established in His Word. So why does the Word of God say, I write this so that you may not sin? Have you ever noticed that when you aim at a distant target, when you raise your sights, you come a lot closer to hitting it than if you aim right at it? The further the target, the higher the aim. Really, that's what we see here in 1 John. None of us are going to hit sinless perfection. There's only one person who was able to do that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we do know is this. I'm still to aim for it. I'm still to look to live as sinless a life as I possibly can. And while I will never be sinless, as I grow in my walk with God, I find that I will sin less and less and less. So what God invites us to do is to turn to Him, to draw upon His resources and His strength as we approach sin. And one of the most important parts of those resources is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He lives, He stands as one who can help us to become one of those people who sin less and less and less. The Word of God brings this out in the book of Hebrews, where we find the following. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we were, yet without sin. And then look at that 16th verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus lives, because He understands our imperfections, because He understands our weaknesses, the Lord Jesus Christ is there at the throne of God, pictured in this passage, to speak to us when we need help with our sin and to answer those prayers as we seek assistance from God. But here's the thing. Even though we seek to not sin, even though God has made great provision for us by the Lord Jesus Christ, we're still going to blow it. We're still going to sin. That's why I'm so thankful for what this passage goes on to say right here in this first verse. I write these things that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Now, as we come to this part of the passage that talks about this perfect defender, Jesus Christ, our advocate, what the Word of God is sharing with us is this. We have one who speaks on our behalf. Imagine you had a debt that was so overwhelming, you could in no way satisfy the debt. Suppose you had medical bills and Maybe you made some irresponsible choices as well and ran up your debt and then the debt just compounds daily and it increases and it increases and it increases to where it's so overwhelming you couldn't pay it off in a number of lifetimes, let alone one. 
And then picture this. Someone with limitless resources comes in and pays your debt. Imagine the relief. Imagine that feeling of thanks that you would have toward that person who paid your debt. The Scripture tells us that is a picture of what Jesus does for us. Because of our sin, we all had a debt that we could not pay. We could never work it off. It took God satisfying that debt in the person of Jesus Christ by His death on the cross and His resurrection to demonstrate freedom from that debt. But now picture this. You've had your debt paid off, but some of your creditors come to you and say, you still owe the debt. There's a problem here. Wouldn't you be thankful if the person who paid your debt off came and spoke on your behalf and said, I paid that debt. That debt is done. This person can say all they want to that they're still under the debt, but it's not true because the debt has been paid. That's the picture of what Jesus does for us when we sin. As our Savior, Jesus Christ comes because He has bought us, He has ransomed us from sin, and He has set us free from the debt of sin that hangs over us. The writer of this book also wrote the book of Revelation, and back in the fifth chapter of Revelation, it says this, they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the scroll. We just sang about that too. I don't know if it'll go by that tune when we're in heaven, but it's a way of expressing the worthiness of Christ to pay for our debt. And it goes on to say this, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests who are God and they shall reign on earth. Christ. Because he is risen, satisfies that debt, and he is our advocate. Advocate very simply means one who speaks on our account. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we trust the provision that he made for us on the cross, that faith God credits to us as righteousness, and the debt is completely paid. The Apostle Paul had this to say about that debt that's paid. He said, I want to be found in him, referring to Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, I don't want to be viewed or to view life itself as something that I have to somehow earn my way to God. What he goes on to say is this, but he wants a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. That is the entrance into experiencing forgiveness and right standing with God. And notice it says it depends on faith. Faith is what brings us into that right relationship with God, trusting the provision that God has given us in Christ Jesus. And here's the goal, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Do we know the power of Christ's resurrection? Have we understood that by faith, 
We are changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do we understand that it's not my performance that makes me in right standing with God, but it is the provision of Jesus Christ's death and the show of victory over sin by His resurrection that I stand in the right place with God. What the Scripture teaches is, by faith in Christ, I am no longer condemned. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Romans. Who is to to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God. And look at this. Because He lives, He is interceding, speaking on our behalf. Another passage that speaks of His advocacy for us. I'm so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how is Christ able to make us right with God? As we continue in this passage, we find God's solution for our sin. The punishment for your sin and my sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. And look at the second verse of this passage. 1 John chapter 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation probably isn't one that you've used in the last week or two, right? It's maybe a little more obscure in our culture, but don't let that throw you. Propitiation's a good word. You know what it means? Propitiation means satisfaction, complete satisfaction. In fact, in the ancient world, when a contract was satisfied, the Greek word that's translated propitiation in this passage was actually written across the document, meaning that the terms were satisfied. This is what God says pertaining to our sin. All of us deserve death and separation from God because of our sin, because God is a holy God. But what God provided for us was satisfaction for that debt by Jesus Christ coming, living among us, and becoming our substitute by His death on the cross and His resurrection. When the Scripture speaks of us being made righteous, it always frames it in the context of a righteousness given to us by God through Jesus. When we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Scripture reminds us, for our sake, and let that just sink in for a minute, for our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. Of course, this is speaking of Christ. And what was the result? So that we might become the righteousness of God. My right standing with God comes only through the risen Christ Jesus who paid the penalty for my sin and your sin. And receiving that right standing with God because Christ secured it all by being the propitiation, the satisfaction of God's requirement comes not through my personal efforts but only through faith 
in Christ's work. That's the importance of faith. What is faith? Faith, very simply, is taking God at His word. Trusting that the provision He has given is sufficient to pay for my sin. And that by trusting on Him, I can have a righteous life as far as God is concerned. In fact, the Scripture talks about those who refuse to come by faith, God's way, through the provision of Jesus Christ. And here's what the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Now listen, the result of being declared righteous by God because of Jesus removes me from the wrath of God. I am not condemned because of Jesus. But then there's this warning. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. And here's why. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. God gives us but one way to experience forgiveness. And that is through Jesus Christ. Now the last part I want to share is something that's truly exciting about the payment of Jesus Christ. And that's the last part of this second verse. Listen, he is the propitiation for our sins. Now here, John is speaking to people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. When you have trusted Christ, you have received that payment, that propitiation, that satisfaction for your sin. But then, look at what he goes on to say. And not only for ours, or not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The payment that Jesus paid when He died on the cross opens the door of the gospel to any who will believe. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there is an open invitation to receive the sacrifice that He provided. That's a beautiful statement of truth. God's heart is for the world. The scripture that was quoted in that video right at the beginning of the service, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then what does it go on to say? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the provision that God has made. God loves this world. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ isn't just enough to save some. It is enough to save all who will put their faith in Christ Jesus. God will never look and say, there's a cap to this. These and no more. God makes the offer of salvation to the world. Now, does this mean that the entire world now has a relationship with God because Jesus died on the cross? No. In order to appropriate what God has given freely in Christ Jesus, we have to believe. We have to take Christ at His word. The Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, for to this we toil and strive because we have set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people. But then look at the last part of this, but especially to those who believe. Listen, God saves everyone who comes to Him. 
the offer is real and extended to all. But only those who believe benefit. It's God offering a free gift. Belief is the hand that reaches out and takes it for ourselves. This is what God offers through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And faith is the only way that we experience it. I'd like to close with this thought from the book of Romans. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Now, justified is a theological word that basically means declared righteous by God. So let's read it that way. Since we have been declared righteous by God, and how did that happen? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That personal relationship with God to where we know Him as God and we experience forgiveness for our sins and right relationship with Him, all of that brings us into peace with God. And how is it secured? Through the one who is our propitiation, Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say this, through Him we have also obtained access by faith. Do you get that? Access by faith into the grace, which is God giving us something that we have not earned, in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This Resurrection Sunday, may I encourage you not to only think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ historically, and yes, it was a historical event, but it is ongoing in its story. Every time we sin and the Advocate speaks on our behalf, every time He intercedes for us, and as we've been looking through the book of Revelation, we see He's coming again to establish His kingdom on earth and share it with those who have come into a personal faith with Him. The unfolding story of Christ's resurrection proceeds, and we can rejoice and being part of that story by faith. Let me ask you a question. I'm not looking for hands. I'm just asking for self-evaluation. Have you placed your faith in the one that God says is the satisfaction for your sin? If you have, you have right standing with God through the work of Jesus Christ. But if you're not sure, what a great Easter it would be for you to make that decision today. He lives. And He wants you to live too. He wants you to experience forgiveness and a right relationship with Him. He provided for our sin on the cross. How important is it for us to receive what He has freely given? At the close of the service, let me encourage you, if you have a question about where you stand in your relationship with God, I would love the chance to talk with you. Dan, who led worship, TJ, who did the announcements, Jim, who 
did the scripture reading, any of us would be happy to talk with you and answer as many questions as we can about where you are in your relationship with God. Please take the time to talk with one of us if you have a question. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the reminder that it is to us all that Jesus Christ is risen. And because he is risen, he is our advocate. We thank you that on Good Friday, he was our propitiation, the satisfaction of our sin debt. And we thank you that on Easter Sunday morning, he rose from the grave, demonstrating victory over sin. And we thank you that he is now before your throne of grace as our advocate interceding for us. May more come to understand this truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.